Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibros. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, 85 from the Amiibros Podcast. And I'm coming to you live from the basement of the man cave. Look. I told you guys about four weeks ago, I said, Patrick Mahomes is obviously one of the most gifted quarterbacks we've seen to come into the league. But how good is he? My statement was, we would not know how good Patrick Mahomes was until, one, part of his team started to fade away after his actual you know, contract where he signs, which is probably going to be upwards of $200 million. And secondly, we wouldn't know until he's not playing with Andy Reid. And this is why I've made that comment. Not sure if you guys noticed, but Patrick Mahomes got hurt last week, week and a half ago. And in that week and a half, you you might not have noticed. um, Matt Moore, over 60% completions, three touchdowns, no picks, 384 yards in in, in a game and a half that he played. Now, clearly, he's not Patrick Mahomes. No one will be silly enough to say that Matt Moore, who was a high school quarterback or high school football coach, you know, maybe nine months ago, uh, this year he was a scout for the Miami Dolphins. He actually scouted Kyler Murray before the draft. Uh, And then they brought him into Kansas City, and all of a sudden, he looks like a Pro Bowl quarterback, 99 quarterback rating. The team put up a great fight versus the Packers. Had it not been for Shady McCoy fumble, might have won the game. And that's just what Andy Reid does. I've been telling you guys for weeks, for years, Andy Reid, when it comes to scheming up a quarterback, is one of the best to ever do it. Look at every quarterback that he's coached. They've been elevated to an, a, a level that's above where they normally would. He was the quarterback coach for Brett Favre. He was, obviously, Donovan McNabb never looked the same after he left. Everybody's like, oh, he fell off a cliff. No, he didn't. He just left Andy Reid. You had Kevin Cobb. Oh, well, how did that work out? You had uh, my, my at the time, I was a Dolphins fan. They traded for A.J. Feely. Now, you guys might think of Jay Feely, the kicker. No, there was a quarterback. A.J. Feely, Dolphins traded a second-round pick. He was the backup to McNabb because when McNabb got hurt, Andy Reid made him look like a pro bowler. Guess to the Dolphins, terrible. You had Coy Detmer. Uh, you had Jeff Garcia. You had all these quarterbacks. You had Alex Smith, who two years ago was the leading candidate for MVP through the midway point. According to Vegas, he was the favorite to win MVP. Nobody here thinks that Alex Smith is an MVP caliber quarterback. Andy Reid elevates every quarterback he's with. And that's why I said this comparison of saying, oh, you know, just Patrick Mahomes is here and all the rest of the quarterbacks are here. I told you at the time, I said, Deshaun Watson is going to outplay him. And I said, if you're going to compare those players, I would personally take Deshaun Watson. You see the jersey behind me. It's not just because I'm a Watson fan. I've been following the kids since he was in high school, going to his games in Gainesville. But the guy's a winner. And the guy, if you look at his stats, Patrick Mahomes has the highest quarterback rating of all time 
for anybody that started over 20 games. Second, Deshaun Watson. And he's not playing with a quarterback coach, a quarterback whisperer in Andy Reid, who's drawing up all these magnificent plays. He has some weapons, but his weapons tend to get injured. Will Fuller's out again. Kenny Stills got out. Kiki Kuti's been banged up. The only one that's been consistent has been DeAndre Hopkins. And up until Darren Fell showed up this year, he hadn't had even a decent tight end. And none of those players compare to Travis Kelsey, to Sammy Watkins, to, to Ty... Uh, yeah, if I didn't just say that, it was going to come back to me in just a second. I'm going to be mad. But either way, if you're looking at it, there's just too many weapons. And, and um, there's and, and Tyreek Hill is what I was going to say. And my, my mind went blank. Either way, there's too many weapons on that team and too good a coach for him not to look great. And, of course, he's immensely talented. He's got a bigger arm than Deshaun. He's extremely mobile, although he's not as mobile as Deshaun is. Um, he's accurate. But listen, I told you, we won't know how good he actually is until he's away from that quarterback whisperer who elevates every person around him. Next, uh, I want to try to transition a little bit into the Deshaun Watson MVP discussion. Um, I saw NFL.com, they had their MVP rankings, and Deshaun was not in the top five. I'm going to repeat myself. I saw the NFL.com halfway midseason ranks for MVP and Deshaun wasn't top five. Now, let's be 100% honest. There's not a quarterback in the league who's dealt with a worse offensive line because right now I think the line's better, but because of injury. Uh, Titus Howard's been out since the Chiefs game. He wasn't even playing on the, the right side of the line until week four. Um, we, we have the most pre-snap penalties in the league, which are all these false starts, which have limited part of their offense because now you're getting fourth I mean, first and 15s as opposed to first and 10s. Um, you have... A, a depleted line that's, that's gotten him sacked in the top five in the league, even though this year he's getting rid of the ball at an extremely high clip. Secondly, the defense isn't good. Everybody thinks the Texans' defense is good, and obviously we saw J.J. Watt get hurt, and, and, and our, our, our best wishes and prayers with him that his shoulder and his torn labrum it recovers as quickly as possible. But even before he got hurt, Texans' defense wasn't great. Texans defense is, especially from a passing standpoint, they're one of the bottom 10 defenses in the league. And from a point scoring standpoint, they give up you know, a, a ton of points every game. They're in, they're in the bottom half of the league when it comes to that. So he's been carrying a team that doesn't have a great defense, that has a poor offensive line, where half his weapons have been hurt, where his starting running back got hurt before the season was out for the season uh, in Lamar Miller. And now... He leads the NFL in total touchdowns through the halfway point of the season. He's got 21 touchdowns in eight games, and he's got five interceptions. And I know people are going to say, oh, well, Russell Wilson only has one interception. Well, here's the difference. One, Russell Wilson's played a trash schedule. Look at that teams they played. They played literally two good teams the entire season. The rest of them have been trash. Uh, they played the Bengals. They played the Falcons. They play, I mean, Just go through that schedule and look at it. Uh, also, one of the things I want to point out is the interceptions aren't all on Deshaun. Deshaun has five interceptions. One of them was a ball to Kiki Kuti at the end of the, the Colts game where he dropped the ball, popped it up into the air for an interception. That's clearly it was considered a drop. Two, DeAndre Hopkins dropped a touchdown pass versus the Chiefs. Next play was an interception. He dropped a, a point blank. Wasn't a, a question whether it was a drop. The Texans receivers actually are second in the NFL with most drops of any team in the NFL. And he's got 21 touchdowns. Look, guys, don't, don't make this more difficult than it is. Right now, 
we're looking at a game where the Texans are favored by two points versus the Jaguars. It's in London, which is basically a home game for the Jaguars. It's considered a home game, but actually, it's the only game in London where the home crowd actually roots for a team. And it's a two-point favorite with half of the offensive line out, with half of the defensive starters out, and, and with a, a team that, with Gardner Minshew, has actually been playing, playing pretty well. They're a 500 team. But the reason why everyone is picking the Texans is because of Deshaun Watson. And you know why? It's because he's the most valuable player in the league up until this point. Lastly, I want to tell you guys why the best thing that could have ever happened to the Golden State Warriors was Steph Curry breaking his hand. Now, look, that may sound like a, a silly comment. Look, for me, I'm a huge fan of Steph. Grew up in Charlotte. I uh, have have family that are, are have you know are, are close to him and his family. Or and my twin brother worked for the foundation. Like I have a good relationship with. And I can say I have a good relationship with the Curry family, but I have a good relationship as far as fanship for him. I have. I am a fan of Steph Curry, but he wasn't built for this. Steph Curry was not built to carry a team. Look, I know everybody's kind of gotten to the point where we're like, oh, you know, we don't really need bigs in the league as much as we used to. You know, now we don't build a team around a big. You just need point guards. Everybody's drafting point guards. You know, you got, look at the Western Conference, all these great teams with point guards. And here's the point. Point guards don't win titles. They don't. I know everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you know, look at Steph. Steph's won three titles. How many finals MVPs does Steph have? Who won all the finals MVPs? The dominant wing who could defend and also score. That is how you build a championship roster. And right now, they have D'Angelo Russell, who's an all-star. You have Draymond Green, who's an all-star. You have Steph Curry, who's obviously a two-time two MVP, one-time unanimous. The only unanimous MVP in the history of the league. But he wasn't meant to carry the load. And I'll tell you why. There is a lot of contact that you take whenever you're required to score 30 points a game. And Steph Curry, as great as a shooter as he is, even when he's shooting over 40% threes, there's still going to be some point where you're going to have to take the ball to the rack. You're going to have to get to the free throw line. You're going to have to dictate pace. And that roster right now is not conducive to him winning at all. I'm not just saying winning a title. Clearly, they're not conducive to him winning a title. They're not conducive to him making the playoffs. I've been telling people for years how important Klay Thompson is to that team. Not only is he someone who does not need the ball, who can give you 20-plus points per game every night, and can shoot to space the floor for everyone else, but he's also an elite defender. Klay Thompson has the ability to guard one through three at an elite level, and he allows whoever the best guard is on the floor to be guarded by Klay and the lesser of the two guards to be guarded by Steph. That's one of the reasons why... When you matched up versus uh, any teams, if you look at, at, at the Warriors, who the teams they've struggled with uh, over, the, over the years, it's teams that had two elite guards because Steph had to guard one. Right now, D'Angelo Russell's a poor defender. Steph Curry has great effort, but he's not a good defender. So when you look at that roster, they were not set up to do anything this year. And now here's the, why this is the best thing that could have happened to the Warriors. One, they're going to be terrible. Not like... Oh, yeah, you know, they, they're, they, they're in a non-spot. No, they're going to be awful. And with them being awful, they're probably going to get a really high draft pick. And with that really high draft pick and a class, then this year, most people, I follow a ton of, of, of draft. Um, I, there's Every year there's a couple players. Last year there was really three elite prospects that were coming out in the draft. 
Um, you had Zion, you had um, John Morant, and then R.J. Barrett, who everybody was really high on. I, I still I don't see it yet. But those were the three. This year, you're going to have six, seven potential all-stars in the draft. You got James Wiseman, who's going to play for Penny at, uh, at Memphis, who's a seven-footer with, that can stretch the floor, extremely athletic. You got Cole Anthony, who's a legit star point guard, son of Greg Anthony, uh, playing for UNC Tar Heels. You got LaMelo Ball, who might go number one in the draft, six, seven, playing the point guard. Uh, they, they said from an international standpoint, he's reminding a lot of people of what Luka Doncic looked like his last year before he declared from the draft. Uh, you got uh, the, the kid Edwards, Anthony Edwards from Georgia who is a some some people have said he's the best shooting guard prospect since James Harden to come into the league so you got all these guys that are coming up that are extremely talented and you guys are going to be terrible that year I will remind people what happened to the San Antonio Spurs what changed that organization they were making the conference final with David Robinson and Sean Elliott Dennis Rodman for a small stretch, uh, and they were they they had a team that was competing and competing, and, and at the time Greg Popovich was not the coach; he was the general manager. But they were doing a lot of great things in the Western Conference. But then David Robinson got hurt and missed seventy games, and what happened? They drafted Tim Duncan, franchise changer, five rings since that point. I'm not telling you Golden State is going to be able to get somebody that's going to come in and. You know, help them to win other championships. As I've said, um, I think that team would have won only that one championship had it not been for Kevin Durant. And if it were not for Kyrie and Kevin Love, I don't believe they would have won that one. But if you give yourself a chance that James Wiseman, who's a seven-footer who can spread the floor and play uh, in the center position to be able to guard Anthony Davis and a lot of these larger players you're probably going to face for the next couple years, you're probably going to have to go versus Joel Embiid and Philly coming out of the East. that's not a bad move to get a, a player at that caliber. And then you don't get the, the negative reputation of Steph Curry couldn't carry a team. Right now, he's going to be out. They're going to say, oh, man, well, you don't know if Steph could carry the team. They were 1-2 when he got hurt. Maybe they would have won, made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He gets that excuse. So best thing that could have possibly happened to the Warriors. Now let's get into the weekend picks. I got a couple from uh, college football. I got three picks. Last week, I was over. So I wouldn't recommend betting these, but... I feel really good about these. I'm going to bet them. I'll get back on. Obviously, from the season, I think I'm, I'm right around 500. But I think I got some picks for you guys that are going to uh, be lower-key picks. But I think they're going to uh, they're gonna make you a good bit of money. So, first, the most important game. Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville. The battle of the border. And Georgia's favorite by six points. Do I think Georgia's very good? Nope. I don't want to disappoint you guys. I know all offseason everybody was telling me about how oh, you know, college football is three teams. It's Clemson and Alabama and then Georgia. And I kept saying, when did Georgia get in this conversation? I know they lost to Alabama in the national title game a couple years ago. But how about this? How about we look at Georgia with Kirby Smart compared to it Mark Rick? Everybody's like, oh, you know, Kirby Smart's just put them on a different level. They're their first, I think right now they're on year four. Through their first, whatever, how many games they've, they've coached right now, they have the exact same record. Both of them have won the SEC once. Um, both of them are, I mean, literally, their stats are, like, identical. Um, I think uh, Mark Rick had a, a slightly better record at home. I think, um, you know, now now they have a slightly better record on the road. But they've been nearly identical. 
And just the fact that they play very well versus Alabama makes people ignore the fact that they've played terrible in so many other games. How did they look last year versus LSU when they got mud stomped out by 22 points? How did they look versus Texas in the bowl game? And how did they look versus South Carolina when South Carolina tried to give them the game and they wouldn't take it? So I'm going to take Florida. I get Florida plus six points. The game is in Jacksonville. Obviously, there's a midway point. It's going to be about 50-50 crowd. But I like Florida's quarterback. I, I think uh, right now Kyle Trask is playing better than Felipe Franks was playing before he got injured. I think he's going to be able to keep the momentum going. And Georgia didn't look great on offense last week either. After the South Carolina game where I, I thought they would put the pedal to the metal and run away with it versus Tennessee. So I'm going to take Florida plus six points. Next game, I got Virginia Tech versus Notre Dame. I'm taking Virginia Tech plus 17 and a half points. Now, the thing that's kind of scary is Notre Dame got – embarrassed last week versus Michigan usually those games they come back and they play really well but here's the problem Virginia Tech's a different team under their new quarterback so there is a quarterback change that's happened at with Hendon Hooker taking over three games ago uh, of Dudley High School uh alumni his dad was an alumni of North Carolina A&T State University my alma mater so I've been following the kid for a while and ever since he took over team hasn't lost a game they've been playing extremely well and they are five and two the same way Notre Dame is the game is at Notre Dame do I expect Virginia Tech to win the game nope could they it's possible but I don't expect them to lose by more than 17 points uh so I get the 17 and a half which means anything over 17 points I'll take I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take that one to the bank so Virginia Tech plus the 17 and a half I got Wake Forest minus seven and a half points versus NC State I'm not sure if you guys have watched NC State this year. They are not good. Uh, Bailey Hockman is the quarterback. I'm a fan of his. Um, he went to high school down the street at McEachern. Watched him play a good bit in high school. But he's he's their starting quarterback. They are not great. Uh, I don't think they're going to get the job done. I expect that game to be a two-touchdown game at minimum. Wake Forest is ranked for you know this series for the second time, I think, in the last 20 years. Uh, so I would take Wake Forest. Uh, whatever points you're going to have to lay it, seven and a half. Maybe it's eight by the time you guys get the podcast. But take Wake Forest and the points. Last couple. We got Auburn. Auburn versus Ole Miss at minus 19. Now, Auburn is down because they lost the game to LSU. They're, they're, they're a little in the dumps. They've lost two games this year, um, one to Florida and then one to LSU, both of them in very close games. They're playing Ole Miss at home. They're a 19-point favorite. I expect them to put the pedal to the metal on Ole Miss. Ole Miss is, is what I would call trash juice. And on top of that, there was a uh, Auburn's backup quarterback, Joey Gatewood, left this week. He left the school, decided he wanted to transfer because he was disappointed with the amount of playing time he was getting. So now that's going to put a little bit more onus on them to prove why Bo Nix is actually the right choice. So I expect them to put the, uh, the, the, the throttle down during the game. I expect them to try to lay the hammer on Ole Miss just to prove a point with the quarterback. Uh, and I expect them to be able to get that game to win it by a minimum three touchdowns. I'm going to say probably a four-touchdown game. And the last one, I'm going to take SMU versus Memphis. They are a plus six. SMU is undefeated, ranked 15th in the country. Memphis is ranked 24th in the country. I watched Memphis get blown out by Temple, and I watched SMU run Temple off the field. Um, and if I'm getting, even though the game's at Memphis, if I'm getting six points, I'm going to take SMU to go out there, get the job done, to win it straight up. I'm going to say a 27-24 to 24 game. Uh, and... I, I, I will tell you one thing. There's Sonny Dykes was the coach at Cal, 
Um, he interviewed for a job that he didn't get and then got fired from Cal because he interviewed. But he's landed on his feet quite well. He's doing a phenomenal job at SMU. He's probably setting himself up for another big interview, then another firing, and then another great job. So be prepared. I expect them to get the job done. Those are my five picks for the weekend. Guys, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at Amibros underscore podcast at uh, facebook.com forward slash the Amibros as well as on Twitter at Amibros podcast. I'm out. Peace. <laughs>